Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks so much for checking out our year-round carnival today. Well, the, the, the New Zealand National Anthem, let's face it, a bit of Dave Dobbin there because the Kiwis, they just dominated in Perrick Prowess, Bjorn Baker, well, he's a Kiwi living here, and the only one flying the local flag was Cascadian. Where's he from Ireland for James Cummings? Vince Accardi for Daily Sexuals. Good morning, mate. Hey, good morning, Ralphie. Yeah, it was a good team. The national anthem up for all three of them in our <laughs> little preliminary play. That's it. That's it. No, it was a, some really ah. good quality racing. And uh, what we might actually do, because it's, it's Tancred Day. Actually, before I ask you about the Tancred specifically, how did Rose Hill play? Yes, okay. Oh, Rose Hill, eh? And wasn't it a head-scratcher on the Friday? We thought we might have been oh. dealing with a heavy track <laughs> by Saturday. Uh, looks like uh, no no heaviness at all. Pretty <laughs> nice frustrating. Yeah, yeah, pretty frustrating. Well, that's great, though, that the rain stayed away. I was really happy about that myself. Well, firstly, from the 600 to the finish line, the progression was we'll pretty much benchmark at the 600-metre point. At the 400-metre point, that's between the six and the four. The track actually was improving around 1.2 in terms of track speed. And then over the last 200 metres, 1.8. Now, coming back the other way to the 800-metre mark, really interesting. Races one, two, and three, very quick, dry ground, indicating that we were on anything that was indicating somewhere. I took away race three because it was like a, a bit over the top in terms of speed. But that, I had a pretty much pegged as about 1.5. Then what I did is I went and removed, because it's just really crazy. All the races from race seven on in particular, they were like well below benchmark and didn't feel like that was the real scenario. Maybe there was some give in the ground that was putting the boys in a position just to sort of take it a bit easier. But I ended up pegging that overall about 0.9 above. But of course, if I was to include all the slow speed and regardless of what happened, then we're like minus three. Right, so that's early. But really, by the time we reach the home straight, it's some pretty slick closing speed. Yes, yeah. yes. All right, well, the BMW won by Arapaho. Let's start with this, Vince. One of our great supporters, Scott, has sent me this email because I just said, congratulations, he's a part owner of Arapaho. Mate, I'm in Lisbon at 6am. I've been crying uncontrolled me for 15 minutes. I don't know what the data said, but I was pissed off. Vince didn't even give a mention. Hopefully oh. people might start rating him. I've got a $101 ticket for him in the Sydney Cup. Really don't know what to do with myself. Guess I need to see if I can open the Hopes Hall bar. So good on you, Scott. That's fantastic. Uh, nice win there. And Vince, this has been 
We don't often see it with Geldings, just one of those underrated Geldings who's just kept improving. Well, firstly, overall performance, fantastic, 3.1 above, and got to do the drum roll, took the honours for the day. Best of the day. Yeah, best of the day, and that's not easy to do at 2,400 metres, so I thought that was fantastic. Beat a good horse in Montefilia. A lot's got to do with, I would say, to some extent, the speed of the first section. When you look at the structure, the race is almost eight lengths below standard. And Arapaho is travelling 10.8 below standard. So tagging the lead speed three lengths, great position to be in. And when the, the heat really came on in the mid-race, and that's really what happened, Ralphie, there was a big surge in the mid-race. Typically, every horse was asked to go anywhere sort of between 12 lengths and 22 lengths faster than standard in that squeeze. And that, you know, obviously brings a lot of horses undone for their finish. But I can't knock this horse, this this particular runner, Arapaho. 10.8 below first section, 4.9 lengths faster than standing between the eight and the four, and then last 400 metres plus 3.3. And even when I look at those, you know, fractional splits, Ralphie, the way the decline was, it was so gradual. Like it went from 2.8 between the eight and the six. This is above standard. And the last 200 metres was still 1.6 lengths faster than standard. Couldn't have been ridden any better. Yeah, Rachel and King, yeah, all honest. Yeah, and the horse was super, super fit, as it turns out. Now, I guess uh, Scott did say something really good because I had the same thought. How come I didn't see that? Uh, and I was spewing, of course, because I wasn't anywhere near it and I was yep. not even on a horse that even got on the podium, which didn't make things better. I couldn't have found it, Ralphie. That was uh, more to the point. I, I couldn't have found it. Now, there are some scenarios when I went back and had a look at some profiling where, so the horse's profile had been pretty much sticking around that half length above benchmark or less, but the horse had in a number of races had sensational squeezes and perhaps maybe, you know, the heavy tracks, whatever it was, I didn't see the horse finishing in the top three or four personally. And if I did the form again, I probably still wouldn't have seen it. So it's not, it's not off my radar now. Yep. Yeah, that's all I can say. It's definitely on my radar now. And, and this is the thing. Like, it's it's a matter of someone's putting you up your head and saying, well, well, we we go down this approach. Uh, hopefully in the long term where we, we finish in front, there are going to be times where a horse surprises you. Oh, for sure. I mean, when I look at what the performance needed to be for the day, I was expecting around that 2.5, three lengths above IVR bench, but that was my expectation and they've run to the expectation. And what helps Frank at all was Montefilia going 2.7. I felt that really franked it. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, and gave us the comfort. I mean, and King Frankel had been racing reasonably well. I thought that was a chance of being in the money. Val and Declare, that horse has been doing a lot of things right. The race pace really helped. I probably did feel that the, the, the speed of the race might, may have been quicker, but this was the race. Probably the only disappointment was goal trip, and it was pretty obvious out the back and never looked like it was trying from my point of view until, you know, in earnest, like this is over the last sort of 600 metres really put in. And what I mean, it's not trying. It was out the back, and normally, if you're giving the pack a five length lead speed, you're in a position where you can close and come over the top. But when you have a big mid race squeeze like that, 
it gets a lot tougher to do, Ralphie. So the two horses that did that were Cleveland and yep. Gold Trip. Maybe maybe you can also include uh, Explosive Jack, but he was well beaten. Um, but what, what do we make of a horse like Cleveland? First Australian start, it screamed like that was a perfect Sydney Cup trial. Yeah, well, it was. Probably a little bit like Gold Trip. Uh, can't, can't fault the horse either, Ralphie. He was overall performance 0.8 above. It was, you know, in line with what I'd been doing the work overseas. So the horses and turned up and done something super impressive. I know they were all beating the bush about it, but even the trial was a little bit soft. So this horse was obviously in need of the run, Ralphie, like in a very serious way and has gotten that now. The question is, how much further will it climb? Because it does need to find another two or three lengths to to be competitive even in a race like that. Right. Uh, and it's funny because there's two races where really the Ma used to stable was, was a head-scratcher on Saturday morning. The other one you said was uh, was Steinem. You said any other stable, that 70-day bounce, you'd, you'd bin it. But, you know, that... And and for those who don't really follow our work, what we're saying is if you if you're so good off a seventy day bounce, that's usually as good as you can go. Yep. Um, but your great respect for the stable said, "Hang on, I don't want to bin it." And probably it was the same with Gold Trip. If you any, if it was, uh, well, let's uh, flip around the names. Let's call it, call it David Maher and, uh, and Kieran Eustace. If it was just two unknowns trading a horse that did what it did last week, uh, Gold Trip, you probably wouldn't have been with. But that that's the thing. Sometimes the good stable, they're still not going to get every horse to elevate. No, no, they're not, and it's good to see that uh, they're normal. <laughs> at all, at times I, I thought they were superstars. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, too good, our rapo Randall, it's a new level, new PB, and Monophilia just continues to run really well because she's a ripping mare full stop. Uh, yes. Speaking of ripping, uh, Prowess, the New Zealander, wowee, this, uh, this looked a good... Uh, performance to the eye, no surprise, of course, because it had that fantastic profile, but uh, what did it actually do in the clock? Yeah, very happy with this one, especially when we're on the clean track. There was no surprises here. That was good. Again, Ralphie, this was the theme of the afternoon, particularly as we got into the back half of the card. 10.2 lengths below benchmark through the first section. Beautiful mid-race move, about a nine-length squeeze between the eight and the 400, faster than the stand, so good second-and-a-half surge. And then the last 400 metres, probably the most impressive part of the performance of the horse, plus 3.2, and the majority of that was in the last 200 metres, 2.6 above. So there's no doubt this horse was just sitting there. It was coasting. It really was coasting. It, I, it probably found itself saying, I didn't know, didn't realise they run that slow in in Australia, that's how it felt for the horse because yeah. the acceleration was all bottled up for that energy of the last 200 metres. And I guess to some extent gave the sort of clear view, with well, with some exception to Pravada, right, but even then to what our competition's like at the moment with the three-year-old fillies up around this distance. There's a, there's a quantum gap. Well, there's not there, there is in Sydney, but there isn't in Melbourne. If, uh, no. if that Queen Air brings across what she did at Mooney Valley last week, we might have a race. Oh, we will have a race. <laughs> that's that's going to be really really interesting in the Australia in the AJC Oaks. But that, that that's real staying quality when it when you can really let rip that last two hundred at the end of two thousand metres, Vince. Regardless of how how hard you've been going early. Yeah, really. That that's exactly right. And you can see like the the top three place getters where they were positioned. They were closer than the majority of the field in terms of where you were from the lead speed. 
And whilst this squeeze wasn't anywhere near as big as the boys or the open class race, it was still good pressure and solid finish. Uh, Paul's asked a question because you, you've, you've touched on this with the, with the two races, uh, as in the two group ones, the uh, the Storm Queen and the uh, and the Tancred. Uh, at what stage do you know when a mid race squeeze is an advantage? E.g., backing up a following week or two to three weeks later, or does distance also play a factor? Also, as a mid race slow down any advantage at all? Well, mid race squeezes are usually big when they're early in their campaign. Yep, coming while Yep, yeah, absolutely. You know, runs. Personally, I like them when they're runs two and three, but what runs one and two, definitely they're big elevators. The slowdowns are also a big signal for a horse. You know, a horse definitely is dramatically disadvantaged if it's first up. Yep. And it's also dramatically disadvantaged if they're running really fast and then they just put the brakes on. And And it's irrespective of where you are in your campaign. But I always tend to take a big positive note if it's fresh because usually horses they don't like it and when they have to rebound they've got nothing left they've already you know they're already done they've spent their energy and this uh, is usually good for a race coming into a subsequent start the uh, Doncaster Prelude, race nine, Bandersnatch has got into the field. Whether that means he's a competitor or not, uh, we'll, uh, we'll dive deep this week when we have a look at the uh, at the Doncaster Day. You can get it now via our preview podcast. We're going to look at AJC Derby, the Doncaster, the TJ Smith, the size. And, of course, on the Saturday, we'll look at uh, we'll look, look at every race there via your race speed profiles, which you'll also get. So it's really going to be the best tool you can get. Uh, so via racetrackralphie.com.au preview podcast. We'll have a deep dive into this fantastic card this Saturday, Vince. But Bandersnatch, too good on the day. It looked like a few were pretty disappointing, actually. Well, yeah, good performance from Bandersnatch. I mean, one6 that's that's excellent in terms of figures for this particular horse. Overall, I, I felt like that ran right up to its sort of historical PB range. I mean, we have to go all the way back to 21, January 21, when this horse was running to that level. There was two performances. There was one there in January, over 1,200 metres that ran. We were 1.6, fourth best of the day. And then there was another run on the 23rd of the 1st where it went 1.6 above over 1,400 metres. So... You knew this horse had this level of capability, but I'm like you. I probably had some sort of expectation they might do better than that. But this is the race. When you are running with no speed, of course, you're definitely advantaged if you're part of that league group, and this is crosstalk and bandy snatch. The squeeze has come in the middle, and it was decent again. It was very similar to the three-year-old fillies, obviously shorter distance. Bandy snatch's mid-race move was around 11 lengths. And a horse like Crosstalk was like ten. Um, could some was of these horses disappointing? Have, Crosstalk was it disappointing? Mm. Off that pace, you have to say yes. Really? Yep. I mean, you, you would because you look at the profile of the horse. But here's the situation. I know it's twenty-two days later. Sometimes the mid-race squeezes can tank the horses out, Ralphie. And and I look across talk, right? Yep. And I, I see the last 400 metres and I compare it to Bandysnatch. There's a four-length difference. So this horse clearly tanked out and the data was sort of indicating that it's sort of, well, that's how, you know, Ralphie, I'm just having another real good look at this. 
I have to find out and see why this horse lost 2.3 lengths of momentum between the four and the two and bring some clarity around that because that that's that's clearly a negative and that affected the horse now when I'm looking at it on reflection. Does that still mean that it it could have won? Probably not. So I just come back and say, okay, let's look at that last run at Newcastle. 2.2 above first section, 5.4 in, in the mid. Is it possible the horse still hadn't recovered? Well, it got the right race shape to be able to recover. Yeah. So it's in no man's land. So for me, it's very sad when these things happen because it sort of means moving into the future. It's not the sort of horse I like to back when I see this. But I, I want to find out exactly what happened between the four and the two. Bandersnatch uh, was dominant, as I mentioned, but I, I suppose one horse we should give credit to, and you've been it's been the theme so far, the mid-race squeeze. Well, well, it looks like Chris Waller's got this import spot on now. Yeah, that's the sort of – that's what we wanted to see. Very, very strong. Out of that quartet of horses, that came from furthest back and 13.7 below benchmark, made a beautiful move in mid-race of around 17.2 and was – Really, just as strong as the winner over the last 400 metres, producing 4.2 faster than standard. So excellent from this horse, but still didn't break benchmark, Ralphie. Yep. And yeah, does that, does it, that's right. Is this right? This Bandy Snatch now goes in the Doncaster. Well, Bandy Snatch does, yeah. But I, I sort of think, well, well, it might even be the type of horse that uh, you can see Chris Waller just getting fitter again and then taking to Brisbane and picking picking off some races there. So, Yeah, I'm well, looking uh, forward to Brisbane. There's a few horses. looks like they're all targeted <laughs> that way. Absolutely. Uh, Roots won the Emancipation. This is what we wrote first up in our Sizzlers. Point eight length, uh, uh, third in race six. 2.1 lengths above benchmark, ranked fourth in the day. Ended her prep as a mare on the rise, winning Oaks Day with an excellent best of the day. 2.5 lengths above benchmark, so to return just below that level with quality sustained close, says she can sail past that level this time in. Minus 1.6 to the 800, win 5.5 from lead, plus 5.5, a seven-length squeeze, plus 4.3, last 400, best last 1,200 of the day, underline the quality. Now, she was fourth at Randwick last start, but you really underlined on, uh, this is before and after the race, she is a horse who needs clean ground, and she got it on Saturday. Well, Ralphie, that was probably one of my highlights when the rain didn't come because I knew I could put the shoulders back on this horse because this horse was absolutely ready to launch. And I just said, please, let's not, let's not have a spoiler with uh, the ground being off. So this horse didn't surprise, delivered superbly, 2.4 lengths above IVR benchmark, third best of the day, which was great to see. And... This was a, this this theme was more like what we'd seen earlier in the day and two point nine lengths below benchmark through the first section. Not a not a heavy move in the mid race, point two above, but a strong last four hundred meters of plus three. And really, it was the difference between the first and the second horse. So look at the gap. I mean, just we we talk about the elastic band, like when you're if you're on the outer edge and it's like eight lengths, you know it's almost impossible into it's done a huge job, this is the second horse of tissue, to be able to make a massive move from minus 10.8 to plus 2.9 and just couldn't believe the last 400 of that horse, plus 7. Well, Daniel's actually asked, is very switched on with your work, uh, Daniel, is, uh, did her trials prepare her for that monster mid-race squeeze first up to avoid flatness in two weeks' time in the Queen of the Turf? Off that run, what is she trending to this prep? Is her best a mile or 2,000? Well, here's the thing. Yeah, of course. Love that work. In the trials, the first trial on the 27th 
of the second was minus 8.1. Yep. The second trial on the third and third, 0.8 below. So what a massive improvement in trials, right? Yep. Now, this is when you know Waller's gearing him up first up. Because right. a lot of people talk about, oh, he's got his pattern. And he does have his pattern, right? But you've also he also has a pattern with a whole group of horses. When he's not sure where they're going or what they're going to do, and he tends to warm them up a lot earlier and have them ready to go first up, and there's the clear evidence. Like, you just look at that first trial. Like, it went from 8.7 below to plus 2.2. So that's pretty decent move for a mid-race. This is over 900 metres. Like, you're talking about 11 lengths, and then it tanked out, I wouldn't say savagely, but it definitely tanked out from the 400 home, probably lost four and a half lengths of conditioning and then turned up the next start, went four lengths faster early, didn't quite match the the mid-race, but had a really strong finish and it was a clear turnaround, but still you could see there was a taper in the last 200, Ralph, the taper was around length, yep. knowing, okay, I can see it, the horse has improved probably three lengths from one run to the other. Did I expect the horse to to win? No, not myself, right? Yep. And was I expecting this sort of performance? Uh, 1.5, that's that's a big first up run. But this horse is now absolutely trending to run to its uh, PB of 3.9. And it also has a 3.3. So I'm very confident this horse is going to be running to that level. I wonder, if it'll, wonder how much that would have taken out of the run. Oh, actually... Oh, Waller's pretty smart. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be sitting here saying there'll be some flatness out of that. I'd say this horse is trending upwards and going to continue to go upwards at a subsequent start. Kind of. Look, I wonder if he's got a dual goal here, which is uh, the queen of the turf, and, and then go to Brisbane for the say the mile, and then the uh, the Doom and Cup of two thousand Group One, Group One. Well, all those things that you just mentioned are in the horse's capabilities. Yeah, it's a, it was very, very serious win at the Bay Track. Smashing Steinem, actually, who, uh, who of course, uh, has, a, has a good level of talent. Uh, let's ask you about the uh, the third race here, the Tullock Stakes. And, and this was an unusual race shape, and I ask you because uh, one of our members is, uh, wants me to put that to you. Uh, from Brody, it is. Uh, would love to know how the Tullock Stakes went sectionally, with most of these being on the quick backup into the Derby next week. Well, they definitely would have known they were in a race because they were rolling. Yeah. Not like the boys and girls were doing later in the day. I mean, 7.4 above, that's the sign, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really good, solid speed for any horse to be contesting. I mean, the winner was was travelling like half length below benchmark. And even horses like Major Bill, Norse and John, they were really tested. They were going, both of those horses were going between three and four lengths faster than standard. And they were entitled to weaken, and they did. They all did weaken, Ralphie, in the end. It's the overall scorecard that you've got to look at. And when I look at the winner, 0.6 below first section, 2.2 below benchmark between the eight and the four, and then three lengths below overall, and got a final score of ranking 41, two, two lengths below. That's the score. Yeah. And when I look at distribution of speed, energy, pretty good. This will help. This will help the horse no end. I mean, is that are you talking about Torpolito being a runner that's going into a major race next start? Well, I suppose, uh, yeah. But uh, the 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 question I suppose most people have watching that is the worst named rate horse in Australia was called Stroke of Luck, right? Because it had none, so it's jogged home. 
It's go, it's shown some good early speed. That that probably screams. How often do we say this? That if you're on a rebound, don't come from a high exertion race. Well, he's effectively had a barrier trial in traffic uh, with with no uh, no out for the last six hundred meters. So I suppose that gives him every chance to rebound to his number. Are you talking about striker luck? Okay. Yes. Well, yeah, point four above benchmark. That's good. That's a good speed. Yeah. And. I, I didn't see the race in terms of where this horse was travelling as far as, like, you're saying no luck. Zero. Right, yeah. Zero. <laughs> uh, you're talking just over the last 400 metres? 600. It was 600, just a, yeah, it, okay. It, it was well. the sickest beat you <laughs> And I know you always say, let's just look at what they do, not what they could have done, but I'm just saying that from a perspective, if you look at it like a barrier trial, uh, he, he, I'd be more looking at what he did to start before with 1.2 length well, on the benchmark. No, I can see it now, Ralphie. I can see it now. The overall impact for the horse was uh, two. The over-impact was about four lengths. Yeah, so that's that's pretty savage. So that puts you well. Probably horse could have won. Yep. There you so, go. Um, we'll obviously break it down this week, but yeah, the the overall performance, Vince, from the winner minus two. That's that's not really Derby winning material as a rule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's make it that simple. Uh, not going to jump out of the trees looking for it. No, nah, that's it. All right. Let's let's have a look at uh, at Flemington. Uh, a couple of. Uh, well, the main feature, of course, was the Australian Cup and, and Bart Cummings. Uh, Bart Cummings, there's a Freudian slip. James Cummings, his, his grandson, uh, of course, won the race with Cascadian. And he's just a dead set ripper, this old horse. Yeah, well, I have no doubt. I was, of course, my initial thoughts were coming off a big run like that, the horse is going to be flattened. Yep. The interesting part was that <laughs> James is coming. And then the boys, you know, said the horse has been doing well at Flemton. I go, uh, well, you know, you're going to have to respect that yep. for sure because they wouldn't, you know, put pressure on him to come down unless they thought this horse was a real chance. So they must have done a lot of work to please him. But for me, I mean, I, I, I look at the overall run, and this is right to the horse's top, 2.3 above overall. Fantastic, right? For this yeah. horse for this distance, even though we know the horse a couple of lengths better than that over shorter, but from this distance point of view, there's no way you could have asked for much more. <sighs> the 2.2 lengths below benchmark first section was great. Seven lengths from the lead. Yep, seven uh, lengths from the lead. I only say that to underline, this was a, a race of fast pace early. Yeah, and then 1.1 between the eight and the four, and the horse been able to win with a 0.3 below benchmark, and it was checkered as well. Like, between the four and the two, the horses lost uh, 3.5 lengths, Ralphie. Yeah. So when you put it all together, you can sort of sit in and say, smoke the competition. Well, a few didn't turn up. So first, yeah, I suppose, but, let's underline this. All on is the winner. And I, yeah. I think what, what they what they did, and I, I've got no insight other than watching, watching of course, but um, in the northerly in, uh, in Perth, he was drawn wide and he stayed wide. They tr- James McDonald tried to do something about that barrier on the day the rail was out. So, I mean, you know, really on paces were advantage. So rather than completely conceding early, he tried to do something. He was posted sort of wide and just the horse was unbelievable in just sticking at his task. But I reckon on Saturday they said, okay, that didn't work. Let's just ride him where it suits the horse. And if, he's, if, if it doesn't turn out, it doesn't turn out. Now, Mellon's ridden an unbelievably good race. 
but he's just let the horse do what the horse wanted to do. And there were probably a couple of others that, like non-conformists, who got outside of their, their um, uh, pattern trying to get into the race. And in the end, that, that's a massive turnaround from speed. Now I get it with non-conformists. So I was really disappointed on the day. But that's a big turnaround in speed going from a mile or 2,000, what it was asked to do early, as well as being caught wide. Yeah, well, first, I mean, like in the race speed profile, we obviously ensured that Cascading got a really positive write-up because you couldn't just no. throw it under the bus because I mean, you're still relying on a couple of horses that have to turn up, right? Yes. And then if those two horses don't turn up, this is in particular Stein and, and non-conformist, race is very even, very, very even, and Cascading was definitely going to be good enough to measure at least up against those, right? Oh, you couldn't pin it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, definitely couldn't pin it. But yeah. you are right about. Oh, I know you were saying, you know, what's happening with nonconformist. I was probably having the same thoughts as you, Rolfie, to some extent. But the reality is, when you do have this turnaround in speed, it does impact them. I mean, it wasn't major, like to go from you know one point nine below to four point seven above. But it is major for this horse when we look at its historical profile where typically the the breakout speed for this horse is about four lengths above like i've only found two races in its in its histories where it's been able to go in that range of four or faster and one was over a mile and the other one at 2000 was plus four so realistically this horse was running like it was a mile race and it didn't work for the horse yeah, and drawn wide. I, I get it. Again, being proactive, you can't knock knock a stable or, or a rider in this occasion. Jordan Childs being proactive, but you know we're all smart, smart Alex on the on the Monday. <laughs> in hindsight, if if they rode it cold and maybe followed Cascadian and then run it, it's in the finish. I have no doubt about that. And then Steinman, on the other hand, well, this horse was going at pretty generous speed as well. Yeah. Three point nine above was really asked to do a good share of work. But to started to, to deplete pretty quickly, and uh, remarkably, the the white flag was completely gone. Like it went up real quick. Yeah. And then, and yeah, and you got the bounce theory, like we we sort of touched on the thing in the podcast as well. It's just sometimes you don't know, right? And three point one above, of course, if it, you know if it could repeat that, it was going to be well. The reality is, it would run one or two, wouldn't it, in this race? And it didn't happen. And I'll be interested to see what happens to this horse moving forward now. The head scratcher for mine was El Patroness. Danny O'Brien chose not only to run it here uh, at big odds, but also to leave Young Werther out of the race and run him in the Roy Higgins over 2,600. Um, she was luckless in the straight, and we always say just worry about what they did do, but did like – I mean, she's produced really good early speed. She's probably – they've probably got her back to her oaks winning form. Well – Profile-wise, minus 1.6. It's trending to its number, Ralph, you know, of half above. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm not saying it's going to go to the Queen Elizabeth and beat Adamo, but I'm saying, no, no, I'm no saying they've got this horse right, and uh, and if they find the right race for it, uh, you know, probably against Mayors, maybe Queensland, uh, that that, uh, that could be a result for them there. Um, look, we'll have a deep dive. I want to ask you about Goldman. Uh, that was very impressive. Also, I want to ask you about what you need. So we'll we'll do that as a as a bonus podcast for the uh, for our Group One members. So uh, you'll you'll get uh, Vince's thoughts on on those two races because that, that's some sensational information. 
situation there going forward. But uh, given we're uh, restrained for time, let's have a look at the William Reid, Vince, uh, Imperatrix, too good. Opie Bosson, uh, it wasn't wasn't too good uh, watching the race because there was a fair bit of interference going on, of course. But uh, he's got them got the prize. Was this a fast run race in the William Reid Vince? <laughs> oh well, this was always the thing that there was going to be that chance for that to happen, right? Yeah, because it was just all about who wants to own the front and what will that mean. So there was no surprise personally on from my point of view. But plus six jigsaw absolutely outside of its compass scale. So so that's comfort zone. First 400 off a standing start, Mooney Valley. What do you got? 2,800 races, <laughs> six yeah. legs above benchmark first section. And you've got an artificial turn, uh, slowdown coming to the turn as well, right? Yep. So that just adds more pressure. And in the Congo was the menace. that Well, that and, and Berlin, uh, Babylon of Berlin, both those horses really just made sure no one's going to rest in that lead pack. Because in, in the Congo was fighting for that spot, probably maxing out at, at its speed for this distance at 4.8. Well, you said this uh, was going to be the headache for Barry One. Does he does he hand up or does he try and you know beat the chest and say, I want to be part of the lead? <laughs> yeah, right. And, and then Babylon of Berlin, honestly, never gone that fast in its life from New Zealand profile, was breaking its own records and probably did a Herculean job to finish in front of both those horses that they unfortunately created all the heat for those runners that were typically going to be three to six lengths off that lead speed. Also, what it does is when they have an overreach, this is particularly when horse, like if you're going fast but you're not overextending, yep. that's one thing. But if you're going fast and you're actually overreaching, in other words, you are outside of your own comfort zone, you're going to have a lot of problems holding on late, even with a bias up on speed. And this then brings the midfield, I'm not saying back markers, it brings the midfield runners right into the race and gives them an opportunity. I mean, and the and the ride on Imperatries was just oh, sensational, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I, I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic the way Opie Bossom rode this horse. And performance-wise, there it is, Ralphie, plus three. In between the uh, the three point four did a T T Rapa and the two lengths it did above last start at Ramwick and sensational twelve hundred meters plus three beautiful ride going benchmark first section and that's plus the point. three he, he rode the horse to suit the horse not to suit the race so in other yep. words he, he he didn't say well I've got to be on speed and and really benchmark at the eight hundred was just perfect for her that's right and Bella Nipotina always had the ugly draw yeah and was going to be forced. To go back, I was having a chat with one of the the one of the guys on the Thursday, and we just couldn't help but think that was going to be. It was very difficult for Mal to do anything else but go back. Yeah, and he t- took his medicine a bit like in, with Cascadian, if you like, and uh, and in this occasion he found one better. But she, she's run huge, and I suppose what we really said about that new new market was that the speed was such an insane outlier that first eight hundred meters. We'll have a look at the mares from that race. Bella Nipotina second, Rock and Horse third, September run a luckless fourth. So they've all bounced back really well after just getting in, in such an outlier race shape. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, uh, all on his head are the Kiwis. They, they, they have taken the weekend. Uh, hope, hope your luck was kind. Like I said, we're going to have a good deep dive into this fantastic program in the Doncaster this Saturday, uh, Friday 
uh, Friday morning, look at all the all the features in, in a real deep way, and then on Saturday we'll do the update with the race speed profiles. Final edition via racetrackralphie.com.au or Vince Cardi's work via dailysectionals.com.au.